I would say when it comes to, you know, building a business, really and truly take advantage of all the free stuff, IG marketing, you know, really just doing that grassroots campaign. And then the expenses will come to you. If you say like, hey, I've really been going hard at marketing, but I know we can take it a step further and do the Facebook, then you start to realize, okay, yeah, I need to allocate some money to Facebook marketing or um, a lot of my clients are asking for, you know, this type of product from me. Let me take some money and put it into some product design research. Um, you never want to take the money and try to push it into things. You want to let the expenses kind of come to you, you know? Um, so make sure you're really, I advise a lot of entrepreneurs, take advantage of that grassroots campaign because, you know, marketing is actually very accessible can do a lot of it for free and even for the paid versions you know snapchat facebook marketing it's very cheap to get started so you know you want to make sure you're taking full advantage of all the necessities that are available to you or the resources we are not telling you to quit your job here at off the clock the healthcare entrepreneurs podcast we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you this is OTC University, and class is in session. Welcome, welcome one and all to our first official installment of Wealthy Wednesdays. Uh, look, y'all, we're bringing the heat, obviously, if you're here, you're a fan of the podcast, and you've either joined us in the YouTube world or you're in listener land. And so thank you for joining us. Today, we're trying to bring you the game that's not available to you. Look, one of the big things for us is to be able to provide you with information that you cannot otherwise get, right? Some of y'all would have to go to school for like four years, six years to get this info, but we're trying to make sure you can have access to it now so you can start applying the things that are not taught to us, you know where we're from. So that's why we're here. Welcome to Wealthy Wednesdays. Obviously, I am one of your co-hosts, Mr. Paulo Chang, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the soon-to-be Dr. Carborn Jr. Say what's up. What's good? What's good? And uh, we are joined by the professional, the money man himself, Mr. Zane, the analyst Williams. Zane, what up? Yes. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Glad to that y'all have me on your show, you know. Yes, sir. Um, okay, so real quick, just so for those of you guys who are watching and you're wondering, all right, why are they bringing uh, Zane onto the show? Well, that's because he actually knows what he's talking about, all right? Zane not only is um, a security analyst professional, industry professional, he's an investment banking analyst. Um, he's a financial coach, and he's also a part-time trader. And I say that knowing, like, oh, look, especially when COVID started, I took Zane's advice. He was putting game out there for free on IG <laughs> and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do these things. And guess what? I haven't lost the money that I would have lost if I just stayed in the market like that. So look, Zane knows what he's talking about. We're really blessed and honored to have him on the show. And um, no, we're going to get into it today, you know, just to be able to kind of explain and teach entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs in healthcare, you know, how they should be able to look at their money, how they should be able to focus on their finances and their wealth building so that they would have the life they want to have, right? So let's start start off right off the bat. Zane, 
you know, obviously we talked about it. People know we're going to go through a few questions. Our very first mm-hmm. question we got to ask you is, you know, kind of explain to us from your perspective, right, as a professional, how should uh, healthcare entrepreneurs be looking at their money and the concept of money and then how that money works for them? So, um, you know, off the bat, you want to start with retirement. You know, that's one of the most neglected things nowadays is retirement savings. You hear a lot about generational wealth, things of that nature. The best thing you can do for, you know, your kids or the generation underneath you is to be able to take care of yourself in in retirement and not have that burden land on them. You know, so off the bat, 401k tax advantage retirement accounts are really should be like the first thing you focus on when it comes to money. Yo, kind of explain too, because um, I know a lot of people that hear 401k retirement accounts, almost right. everybody's thinking about that thing that their job told them about to contribute that comes out of their paycheck, right? And right. I think most people don't even understand like the different kind of retirement accounts. Everybody just thinks like the majority of people at least are thinking 401k and that's mm-hmm. about it. So just kind of go right. that, go deeper into it, you know, give us a little bit more um, of an understanding. Okay, so the 401k usually priority, usually number one. And that's because most companies offer a 401k match. So any, you know, pre-tax money that you put into that account, your company will match up to a certain amount, whether it be 4% or, you know, the standard 6% each year. So we want to make sure we're taking advantage of that free money. Second on the list, I would say is the Roth IRA now. This is another tax-advantaged retirement account. What you can do with that is you put money in that's already been taxed, and you have tax-free growth on any of those gains in that account. You know, so that's literally like one of the best, um, you know, advantages you can have when it comes to investing overall is that tax-free growth. Um, That's why I always stress the importance of focusing on retirement accounts so with that being said Suzanne I want to ask because I know a lot of people you know even even entrepreneurs but just in general I know a lot of people when they think about money and they think about the concept of being able to you know like you said build wealth build and make sure that they have generational wealth I think that it's very easy to kind of focus on, I just need to make as much money as I possibly can. And then I'm going to take that money, I'm going to put it away, and I'm going to start plugging it into investments. In terms of being able to focus on retirement, what would you say would be the, the numbers people should be thinking in terms of how much they're investing and how frequently should they be investing into their retirement? whether that be the Roth IRA or the 401k or, you know. All right. So I kind of break it down like this. It really depends on what type of income um, you're bringing in, but it kind of goes like this. So the first goal I would tell my clients is to make sure that you're matching whatever your company matches on your contribution. So if that's 4% of your salary, your goal would be to, you know, make sure you're contributing 4% of your salary to get that full match. Now, once you've reached that, then I would say, okay, now you can start step number two, open up a Roth IRA, right? 
and put that same 4% into a Roth IRA as well, right? Now, once you've done that, right, you want to switch back over to your 401k and actually increase that until you can reach the limit because there's actually a limit on how much you can put into these tax advantage accounts every year um, based on your income. And you want to make sure you're reaching that limit to get the full advantage from your 401k. And then once you've reached that limit, you can switch back over to your Roth IRA. And then you can contribute, you know, keep contributing until you reach that limit, um, you know, for the year. That's how you take advantage of these, both of these tax advantage accounts. You know, I'm glad you actually said that too, because I think a lot of people, you know, and I know for a long time, I, I was the same way where I thought like you could only have one of them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you're playing the money game, right? I think there's such a taboo feeling and it's like, you know, you basically just have to, how do they, how do people say the rat race, right? You're trying to get out the rat race and, mm -hmm. and, and you're trying to invest like, or you hear investing, you're thinking just stocks. You're not thinking about setting up my retirement. Cause let's be honest, right? Social security, is that going to be around when we get to retirement age? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> right. So they're saying uh, 2029 right now is the expected cutoff date. That's 10 years away. Yeah, <laughs> That's so. crazy. That's nine years away. That's wild. Yeah. Um, that's yo, weird. so I'm glad like you, you brought up the fact that you should definitely contribute and put in the max amount, mm -hmm. right? Put in the max amount. Uh, just really quickly, just to make sure that everybody is getting a full understanding of 401k versus like a Roth, traditional mm -hmm. versus a Roth, right? Just kind of explain like the tax advantages between the two, like a traditional one and the Roth one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Now with your 401k, obviously they're taking pre-tax money and putting that into that retirement account. So before they take out, you know, Medicare, Social Security, you're getting that, you know, tax-free money being put into that 401k. And then once it's in there, you're not being taxed on any of the growth. Now, when you reach 59 and a half, 60, and you're ready to retire, right? you know, you won't be working anymore. So what does that do? That brings you down the tax bracket, right? So now you're being taxed at the lowest, you know, tax bracket because you're not working. So then you basically be pulling those contributions, you know, being taxed as someone who isn't working, right? So that's where you get the full advantage out of that one. Now with the Roth IRA, right? The money you put into that account is being taxed right now. And, you know, the reason why a lot of analysts say that you should have both is because, um, you know, the tax rate right now is actually at its lowest point, one of the lowest points in history, you know. So take advantage of both by putting in some taxed money now and then having that growth also, you know, grow tax free. And with that, um, you know, the money was already taxed. So when you take that out, at you know 59 and a half or 60 or whenever you decide to retire that money is not being taxed at all that's literally just you know no penalty or anything like that um when you're taking that out so that's the main difference between both of them it's still healthy to have both of them based on you know tax rate right now um but you know analysts say that in the future the tax rate will probably go up um, so, you know, you want to have a balance of both. Hey, and I, you know, I've been, um, I've been contributing the max amount 
to my Roth for the last uh, two years. Cause just like that, right? As soon as I figured out, um, you know, that tax rate's about to be mad low. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I was like, let's, let's go save this money. Cause Lord knows what could happen in 40, 50, 60 years. And, you know, exactly. um, yeah. So let's, let's, let's go on to the next question when it comes to debt. Right. And, yeah. and this is a big one. This is a big <clears throat> one because I think like debt is this, it's this subject. It's this concept that so many people speak about. Right. Mm-hmm. But it causes so, so much confusion because on one side you hear people being like, oh, there's such thing as good debt, yada, yada, yada. And there are people yeah. like, shout out to, I'm not even going to mention, there's an individual who I dis, dislike their teaching. I'm not going to call them out by yeah. name. But they're <laughs> so extreme. You could yeah. take a big guess. The name starts with a D. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they're such extreme. They're like, yo, all debt is bad debt. Like, right. that's it. Don't, don't go into debt. Don't don't do anything right and i think um there's such a there's this concept where like you have to understand what debt does for you i i I look at it as if debt is just like an availability of a certain sum of cash to you you know that's available to you now right i don't look at it as if it's just like you have debt therefore you owe somebody a life no that's not at all you know come to find out as a business owner banks love giving money out um (laughs) <laughs> you know, so let's mm-hmm. talk about it, man. Is there such a thing as good debt and bad debt? And how, how are you looking at it? And how do you advise your clients when it comes to it? Um, yes. Yeah, so there's definitely a difference between good debt and bad debt. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different factors we could actually talk about. But the main thing with me is I try to make sure my clients have a plan if they're going to take out any type of debt. Right. That includes student loans that, you know, business loan, any type of loan, I always try to make sure you have a plan. Because to me, the only bad debt is really any debt without a plan. You know what I mean? If you're just taking a loan just to take it, or if you're spending on a credit card just to spend, then that's when it ends up being a bad debt, you know? Um, So any debt you take, make sure you have a, you know, a plan to pay it back or, you know, some type of revenue coming in from it. I'm glad you mentioned um, business loans, right? So when you're, you know, going to a bank, you know, to look for a business loan, number one, you definitely want to make sure you have a business plan, a tangible business plan that you can speak to a loan officer about, that you can give to a loan officer, that he can also, you know, read and analyze. And, you know, it's very easy for him to understand. Um, That's definitely the number one thing. Two, if you have any tangible assets, you know, in the business already, a lot of loan officers love to see that you have some type of backing um, in the business already. They'll be more willing to, you know, give you more loan options. And then number three is definitely your credit. You know, um, they look at your personal credit. It's a common misconception that you can just have terrible credit. And, you know, you can somehow, you know, build up your business credit, but banks look out your personal credit. So you always want to make sure you protect your personal credit um, in any endeavor. No, that's real. I remember when Mm -hmm. we were um, in my first business, we were getting our business credit cards, Mm -hmm. right? And the very first thing on that application, 
was like, what's your social security number? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got going on with your payments? Because I, I, you know, and just like any, you know, I wouldn't, if I was sitting there and and my neighbor comes to me and says, hey, you know, let me, let me get a hundred, right? Or let me get, no, let me get a hundred thousand. Right. right. (laughs) I'm not just going to hand over a hundred K just because they're like, Oh, you know, I'm starting this restaurant. That's a restaurants is so dangerous. All right. I'm starting Mm -hmm. like a car wash business and (laughs) I just need a hundred grand to to get it moving. And I I got you at like a 7% interest. I'm still going to be like, okay, um, real quick question. Is your house payments on time or your car payments on time? I need to understand the investment I'm making is going to come back to me because Oh, and this is a big one. If you can't take care of your stuff on the personal side, ain't no way on earth you're about to take care of stuff on the business side. Exactly. Right? So I love the fact that you brought that up. Yo, just, uh, and here's a big thing. Mm-hmm. It could be argued that not everybody feels that entrepreneurship is, is, is their calling, which is fine. I get that, right? I think everybody mm-hmm. should be some form of entrepreneur. Doesn't mean you got to be out here knocking on 100 doors a day. Um, but what are your thoughts when it comes to like, at least having some form of a business organization to, to do certain things, right? You know, recently my girl and I, we just got into real estate. And so like, you know, we're like, Hey, we're going to purchase a bunch of these properties and and set them under an organization because those properties are going to take care of, um, certain things. I just Mm -hmm. don't like, you know, having to pay like 50% of my wages to taxes. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Like, should everybody kind of explore kind of going down that route when it comes to debt, um, taking it on so that they could do something that, you know, ultimately does pay it off or, or not just like, yeah. cut it. my whole thing with that is if you're not totally convinced that you can take on the debt, then I wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of people have, you know, their different conceptions about being an entrepreneurship and they might say, oh, you know, it's not for me. But later down the line, you know, they might do something as a hobby that eventually they start making some money off. And then they realize, hey, I can actually scale this, you know, and do something I enjoy, you know. So I always say, you know, if you feel like entrepreneurship isn't for you right now, that's okay. Um, But, you know, people usually always realize, you know, later down the line that they can, you know, take they might fall in love with a certain type of business or they can take a hobby that they like and, you know, turn it into something of entrepreneurship, you know? So it's really about being able to take that on, you know, mentally. So then I think um, just backpedaling a little bit, I think Mm -hmm. that there are a lot of people as well who, you know, they, they tend to think of credit as something that, universally this is a symbol of your status you know Mm -hmm. or a symbol of um your wealth and i think that the discrepancy comes in as well because there's not enough financial uh literacy you know that well let me not say that there's plenty of financial literacy out there but i just think uh a lot of people may not know how to find those resources And so the question I kind of have for you in regards to credit, what does it look like for someone who let's, let's say the entrepreneur or the young professional that's listening to this right now. And they're thinking, man, 
I'm a few years out from being done with my prospective program or my business is taking off further than I thought it would at this point, but mm. I don't have any credit, you know, like they don't have any credit as far as any credit cards, you know, but they may have student loans. What mm. would be your advice to them to, you know, kind of jumpstart their credit? Is there a way to speed up that process of increasing your score? And then um, ultimately with that credit, will they have the opportunity to be able to use that? Or matter of fact, let's just start with those and then we'll, we'll, we'll follow up with <laughs> that one after. Okay, so um, what I advise a lot of my younger clients, whether it's you know, kids in high school or you know, a lot of people in college, try to find somebody who has good credit that can make you an authorized user. You don't have to have access to their credit card, anything like that, but if they can add you as an authorized user, right there, you know, you're already, you know, building a good credit name for yourself. You know, I have a lot of, you know, my, my clients, you know, younger siblings, I always try to get them to do that um, because you could be 16, you know, you know, ready to eat with good credit, you know what I mean? So um, definitely try to find somebody to add you as an authorized user. If you can't take on that option, you know, it's best to just get started. Apply for a credit card through the bank that you bank with now, whether that's Chase or Wells Fargo, whatever it may be, and start slowly start to use that credit. Um, you know, you wanna make sure that you, you're using it on something that you already pay for monthly. You don't want to use it on anything new, whether, you know, it's a one-time purchase or it's, you know, a monthly thing. You just want to make sure you're using it on something like groceries, um, you know, maybe utilities, something that you've already been paying and you know that you need to pay every month. Um, and, you know, once you do that, you start building some credit history, you know, and things will get rolling. And in no time, you'll start to see, you know, you build some credit. So with that being said, because I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, we know we have our, our group of people that are impatient and it's like, I want it now. For, for those people, you know, who are thinking, well, like, like Zane, I think, that's a, I think that's a great idea. You know, everything you said sounds good. But mm -hmm. for my situation, I'm thinking about purchasing a home, you know, mm -hmm. or I'm thinking about purchasing a car soon. Um, so what does that look like for someone with no credit who's looking to do those things uh, relatively soon? Mm -hmm. And then do you think, or is there any type of, let's say, quote unquote, shortcuts that help them get there faster? Well, I would say if you can go the authorized user route, then you can build credit in no time. You know, that looks like six months to me. But, you know, if you have to go, you know, your own route and you kind of get a credit card um, and start building that up, I would say give it a year's time. You know, make sure you don't miss any payments or anything like that. And then you can start seeking those, you know, opportunities. Credit is really about, you know, there's credit history, making the payments on time, things of that nature. So you need time in order to build that. Trying to rush the process isn't really going to help you that much. Um, you know, 
just start small. And as long as you start and as long as you're educated on what you need to do, you'll build the credit in no time. You know, it just takes a little bit of patience. So with that being said, um, I kind of want to want to ask this, too, because I'm sure there are people that will be wondering as well. So let's say that someone decided to apply for their own credit card. Like they said, all right, I'm going to build my own credit. You know, I'm going to do this on my own and I'm going to take that long route and we'll see where I am within the year. Is it possible? to do both? Like, is it possible to uh, get your own credit card, build your own credit and still be an authorized user or does that not exist? Yes, you can do both. You can do both, definitely. You wanna take advantage of as many things as possible. Um, so if you can get two, you know, three people to add you as an authorized user, that would only help you um, in the long run. So definitely try to take advantage of both if you can. It's huge. That's huge. Man, y'all here dropping gems like this. <laughs> My goodness. Any charges for this? I think, so, man, man. I'm lucky. Um, <laughs> not for real. You know, even even to just kind of tag on a little bit before I ask the next question. You know, I I, I think even with authorized user, I did do the authorized user route. And like, you know, for me, my my big game plan was to be able to get as much available credit as possible even though i wasn't using it right because mm -hmm. um one of the things i was taught early on is like yo like the more available credit you have the more work now that doesn't mean like if you got like 10 grand in available credit you don't go spend all 10 you right. know mm -hmm. i think it was what's the number 30 30 some percent 30 percent you want to keep it between 10 and 30 percent there we go um i usually advise people 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. Just because I know things happen, right? Um, and that gives you a little bit of cushion. But you know, yeah, they say thirty percent, quote unquote, is where you should keep your credit utilization. Okay, it's it's whew, that's a big one. That's a big one, folks. Uh, let's 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 talk a little more um, budgeting, um, and even in specific business budgeting, right? So, say a client comes up to you, and uh, they got like a thousand bucks. Right. Let's keep mm -hmm. it short and simple. They got a thousand bucks um, and they're like, OK, Zane, you're the, you're the money guy. Right. You, you're the guru. Um, mm -hmm. I got a thousand bucks. What do I need to do with this? Right. Mm -hmm. To especially as an entrepreneur. Right. Or even if you want to go like just like the regular route of a non entrepreneur, I got a thousand bucks. I need to budget it so I can get the most use out of it. And I'm not just mm -hmm. like pouring cash into an empty, you know, barrel that's just burning. How, yeah. how would you suggest like they go about that and, and, and utilize that to their advantage? Man, um, honestly, there's so many different ways you can use a thousand. It really just depends on your personal goals, right? So first I would say, you know, during this COVID era, during these hard times we're kind of going through, I, I like to, bring out that most analysts say that, you know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, you need six months of expenses, you know, as a, just a rainy day, um, you know, analysts are changing that from six to actually nine months of expenses, you know, during this time. So I would definitely say review your budget, review your expenses. And if you can try to get that nine months of emergency expenses saved up. Um, 
we can rotate a little bit. I know we we're talking about credit. Um, and, you know, I advise a lot of clients on, you know, the $1,200 stimulus that we received earlier this year. Um, and I know we talked about building credit. I had a few of my clients actually use that 1200 to get a secure credit card in order to build up their credit. You know, um, I like that because it's a double-edged sword, right? So not only does it build credit, um, but it actually kind of keeps you from fumbling that 1200 on something else. You know, it kind of keeps you structured a little bit. And so far, I've had great results. I had three people do it. All three of them are like, you know, really happy with the results. If you're trying to, you know, build credit, whether you had bad credit or you have no credit, use that for, you know, a secure credit card. Other than that, maybe an entrepreneur. I would say when it comes to, you know, building a business, really and truly take advantage of all the free stuff, IG marketing, you know, really just doing that grassroots campaign. And then the expenses will come to you. If you say like, hey, I've really been going hard at marketing, but I know we can take it a step further and do the Facebook, then you start to realize, okay, yeah, I need to allocate some money to Facebook marketing. Or um, a lot of my clients are asking for, you know, this type of product from me. Let me take some money and put it into some product design research. Um, you never want to take the money and try to push it into things. You want to let the expenses kind of come to you, you know? Um, so make sure you're really, I advise a lot of entrepreneurs, take advantage of that grassroots campaign because, you know, marketing is actually very accessible. You can do a lot of it for free. And even for the paid versions, you know, Snapchat, Facebook marketing, it's very cheap to get started. So, you know, you want to make sure you're taking full advantage of all the necessities that are available to you or the resources. I'm about to ask you a tougher uh, follow-up to that, right? And this is actually going to go a little bit back to like credit cards, just to take a different angle, like say you got that, you know, a thousand bucks. What would you say, right? So say somebody's got like two, three credit cards, um, one's at like 7% interest, one's at like, what's a regular one? 15.8. And then, you know, if, if you <laughs> you got one of them with like 23 percent right, right? Mm-hmm. shout out to all those business credit lines um <laughs> i'll charge you so like so you got that right and you got a thousand your total like monthly payment at a minimum comes out to about like 500 bucks mm-hmm. throughout all three credit cards throughout all three right a total of 500 dollars all three how should people go about it then if they only got a thousand bucks, right? Because I know there's some people that are like, you know, just pay off your credit cards. Yeah, this goes back to that individual. Pay off your credit card as much as you can, right? And I always look at it like, especially during like these 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 times, right? Yeah. Might be, I, I look at it like it actually might behoove you. So, so our, our thing is, yeah, we are paying off like our credit cards, but not at the same level as before, right? Like we mm-hmm. kind of scaled it back a little bit, still doing the monthly payment. Don't miss, don't miss your monthly payments, still doing the mm-hmm. monthly payments, but it's not mm-hmm. like we're spending like a hundred percent of the, of the pie into paying it off. Like we're still taking some, you know, putting it back, saving it just in case something else happens. Right. Cause I always mm-hmm. look at it like, yo, if you pay off all your credit cards, but then you ain't got no cash, you still as broke as you right. were when you had that credit card debt. So what's your take on it? Like, how do you think maybe people should approach 
paying off their credit card debt? Um, it really just depends on how you can operate, you know, emotionally and, you know, the psychological aspect of it. You know, if you, if somebody who is like a very strict budgeter, you know what I'm saying? And they're very strict with their finances. I would definitely say, you know, go ahead and throw a decent amount of that money to your highest interest rate card. And, you know, just so the math works out in your favor, the best. But for somebody who's maybe, yeah, they're keeping up with the monthly payments, but, you know, they even kind of struggle a little bit to do that. I would definitely say to take your time and focus on the card with the, um, you know, the smallest balance so that you can keep yourself motivated, you know? So if you pay off that card with the $200 balance, you know, you'll, you'll get that little dopamine rush, like, yeah, I'm making my way somewhere and then move on to the next one, you know? So it's all about doing what's right in your situation. Um, with most people I've noticed though, it's best to just start with the one with the least amount of balance on there so that you can, you know, keep yourself motivated throughout the months. So I kind of want to, want to switch gears here and I want us, uh, let, let's talk investments. So uh, for you, yeah. <laughs> what, what would you say, uh, like, what is the market like right now? for everyone and what moves would you suggest people make financially if it's their first time hopping into investing, whether it be trade stocks or, I mean, just tell us what do you think right now would be the best or the wisest moves to make if you're interested in getting into investing? Right. So if you're interested in to getting into investing, everybody's first step at investing is definitely that Roth IRA and you know that 401k a lot of people don't know this but you choose the investments you make in those accounts our generation you know our parents generation a lot of them really just put money into that account and then you know 40 years later you know okay i have my retirement fund um but you can actually start investing by choosing the investments in those accounts now for you know actually what stocks you should pick things of that nature, I would definitely say start with the blue chip stocks. Start with the popular stocks that you like, right? A favorite one of mine is Apple. They're a great company. Their products are great. You know, even during this COVID time, they're raising, you know, millions and millions of dollars. You know, they're making the right financial moves. So, you know, make, take that first step and, you know, buy a share of Apple or buy two shares or whatever the case may be. And, you know, as you go along, you'll say, oh, okay, I like what Google's doing. Let me get a share in that. And you'll actually start to see yourself, you know, build a portfolio. Um, you definitely want to make sure you're educating yourself on investing and, you know, things such as, you know, diversification. You know, you want to make sure you're not too heavily exposed in one market, whether that's tech or healthcare or, you know, those different things. But you make sure that, you know, make the first step. That is really the biggest thing when it comes to investing, you know. Um, there's a lot of fintech apps out there now, you know, financial tech is, you know, huge nowadays, you know. So if all you have is $20 or whatever the case may be, throw that into an investment account. Um, you know, it might not seem serious now, but, you know, you can actually get fractional shares, you know, that's never been able to be done in history, you know. 
So I actually had a client of mine take $100 and to put into a Robinhood account. And he was like, oh, you know, I don't really know what to do with it or whatever the case may be. And I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to send you Warren Buffett's portfolio. And I said, you can actually mirror his entire portfolio, you know, as far as percentage based with $100 just using that fractional share. So I had him do that. And through that, he was able to look into the companies that, he, um, you know, Warren Buffett had and, you know, actually go into the app and actually, you know, click buy and, you know, make the investments. And that just started him off on the right foot into investing, you know. So, you know, you just want to make that first step, you know, open the account, put the money in there, you know, make sure it's money that you're not afraid to lose, you know. A prerequisite to investing is always to have that emergency rainy day fund um, in your savings account and then, you know, start making those investments. Yo, to just kind of follow up, um, you know, you did mention Apple, right? Um, and they're doing phenomenal, by the way. That yeah. does not lose, right? Yeah. Let's get your thoughts on this real quick. Because, you know, um, I believe it's end of the month is when they're going to make it accessible to getting those one share split into four as a form one split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They, um, they, they're doing their stock split. This I actually just saw uh, Tesla is doing yeah. it as well. I'm mad. Yep. <laughs> Elon Musk is something else or his board is. Yeah. All right. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that's a good, that's a good move for people? Um, you know, cause Apple's essentially said, you know, you can get like a fourth of a, sh of a, of one whole share for about what, 104 bucks. Yeah. Something yeah, like yeah. that. What do you take so, on that? Is that something people should buy into or. I mean, the thing is, when companies do stock splits like that, you have to, it's strictly marketing, strictly, right? Because even at Apple stock right now, I could go into Robinhood or another brokerage and buy one fourth of a share of Apple if that's all I can afford. But these companies, you know, do these huge stock splits and stuff basically as a marketing move to say, you know, Apple's more. Um, accessible that means you know you should be able to buy more you know people would rather go around saying oh I have a share in Apple or a few shares in Apple rather than saying oh I have a fourth of a share or I have half of a share you know so those moves are strictly um, marketing so you want to make sure you know any company that you invest in make sure you you know you know the ins and outs and you really believe in the company um, but that's about it at the end of the day when it comes to those I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's the point I wanted to hit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the fact that I think people get so caught up in like, oh my gosh, you know. But an app a share of Apple right now is uh I'm looking at four hundred and fifty two dollars at close mm -hmm. right today. And people get so caught up, like, why well, I, I don't have five hundred bucks and I'm gonna like whatever. But you know, I always look at it like, man, those dividends are not gonna be as deep as whatever you get for a whole share, but more importantly, like all Apple did was just get you excited about buying Apple. Exactly. Nothing else. Exactly. Man, uh, just kind of, kind of give us a few, cause I know, you know, we're, we're basically asking you not like the deep, deep game. Right. So yeah. besides Apple, besides, you know, those blue chip stocks, right. FinTech stuff, mm -hmm. man, what would like two to three companies that people should, uh, 
in your opinion, right? If we got the whole off the clock community coming to you, right? And they're all your clients. What are two to three uh, companies that you think people should be looking at um, to make sure that, you know, they stack their portfolio a little bit? Okay. All right. So um, before I even get into that, you know, I want to introduce everyone to, uh, you know, portfolio strategy that I really like, and it's called dividend growth um, strategy. It's basically where you focus on companies that pay dividends, you know, whether it's how much dividends they pay, how long they pay them, you know, um, you want to see if a company will still pay you dividends um, through a recession, you know, because that's a sign of this company is rock solid. They make the right financial moves so that they can consistently pay their investors. That's why I really like Apple, you know, they paid dividends the last, I think, 20 years or, or so consistently, you know, and that's through the 08 crash. That's through the dot-com crash in 01, you know, so you want to make sure you're investing in smart companies like that. Another one I would say is, you know, AT&T. AT&T has been around for a very, very long time. I don't know if you guys know, you know, Bell South, you know, AT&T has been around. They've paid their dividends for over 36 years now. Um, So that's another great, great company that I would invest in. Another good oil one that I like is um, Chevron. Chevron's another huge, you know, uh, good one. They pay great dividends. Their financials are rock solid. It's kind of back and forth with oil stocks because it could be very geopolitical and it really depends on what company, what countries want to do with one another. But, you know, Russia actually came to a, a good agreement. So getting into Chevron right now is actually decent. There's another one that I would like to bring out. I don't know if you guys have heard of um, real estate investment trusts. That's basically bringing the real estate game to the stock market. And, um, you know, one stock that I really like is called O Realty. Their financials are great. Their main customer is other businesses, you know. So they're, pay- they're paying that rent every month. And, you know, it's a, just a rock solid stock. Um, they pay their dividends consistently for 25 years now. So, you know, that's another great one I would look into. You know, what's crazy you said about um, the oil stuff, right? Immediately, I I just started thinking about how I made a decision back in March Mm -hmm. that I regretted, right? So this is just me being transparent with the listeners. I I made a decision where I was was trying to decide between Chevron and ExxonMobil, right? Both great companies. Both great (laughs) companies. Here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Exxon dropped like the day after I purchased I just watched it. I just watched it like. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. no one hasn't, you know, hasn't like lost over the long term." So I love the fact that you said that because that's that's real. I can attest to that. Um, you know, a realty too. Like that, that they've been around for it. That's great. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I used to hear. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. About them, yeah, but no, those are those are solid, solid ones, and I and I appreciate the fact that you did shared those because you know that's usually the number one question a lot of people have um where do i start what should i be looking mm-hmm. at and i think those um three companies especially the reit um that uh you also mentioned does give people a little game to at least start somewhere 
Um, you did mention Robin Hood as well, you know, just kind of as a wrap up. You did mention Robin Hood um, as one platform to use if you are investing. Is that like your go-to platform or are there others like you'd also suggest people kind of look into depending on their situation? Definitely look into other ones um, depending on the situation. Robinhood is really just the most popular one that a lot of people can relate to. That's kind of why, um, you know, brought that one out at first. But really and truly, I actually like Stash um, better. It's very similar to Robinhood. It's a lot more educational. But the main thing with that one is that you can open a retirement account right through the app. I actually sat down with a client today and had him open a Roth IRA right in front of my eyes. You know what I mean? So it's becoming very easy. Um, you can't do that with Robinhood. I don't believe so yet. You can only open up a regular brokerage account. Um, but I would definitely go with Stash. Um, you can purchase fractional shares on that app. You know, you can purchase index funds and ETFs. And, you know, they're all about education as well. So anything that you invest in, you know, they're going to have the news articles linked to it. They're going to have their own bio about, you know, the financial product. So I really like that app as well. Um, you know, but all the other banks are starting to catch up as well, too. You know, Fidelity has theirs. They have a great app on theirs, too. E-Trade, you know, E-Trade has always been around and they're starting to really bulk up on their products as well. Um, so, you know, do your research, but, you know, I personally, I like Stash. Man, this was awesome. Seriously. Zane, bro, this, you gave us so many gems, bro. Just after, after the podcast, man, we'll, we'll talk about the invoice, bro. Like, <laughs> you, you know, for real though, bro, you really, you really did drop a lot of gems. And I think, I think the, the most important thing too, is you gave a lot of, tangible things you know that that people can go out and apply like immediately so with that being said to our listeners wealthy wednesdays this is going to be a segment we're going to have content coming out for you every wednesday so this is just the first of many to my man zane we appreciate you if y'all want to get in contact with him it's at zane the analyst on instagram for all your financial needs. Shameless plug, you can go ahead and tell them anything else, bro. Yeah, man. Uh, like you said, Zane the Analyst, Z-A-N-E, the Analyst on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know, ZaneTheAnalyst.com. I also launched my blog not too long ago. Feel free to visit me on any of those. Send me a message. Feel free to talk to me. Um, I respond all day. So any questions you may have, you know, hit me up. Sounds good. Well, Zan, my brother, looking forward to continuing to roll out this content for the followers and for our listeners. And to our listeners, until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really do not have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. 
You can find help at www.preptgrindotc.com. This episode was also brought to you by Physio Memes. Physio Memes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. Physio Memes. Thank you for listening. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.